It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Woo! Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Always great to be with the Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Use the phone like a weapon. Wake up this town. You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. You got that? I think you all get that. JT the Brick. Talk to JT. I'm on a roll. The out-of-control fans, the passionate fans, do me a favor and surprise me today. We love Las Vegas. When I retire and walk away, you better throw a party. You won't hear from me again. I promise you, unless you catch me on the golf course, get the blank out of here. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. I'm going to be Mr. Positive. Are you kidding me? Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to be a part of the show. Big Boy Radio. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now, no, no, no. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we start another day here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. and on the Raiders mobile app where you can get anywhere in the world by going to Raiders.com or just downloading that app for free. When you go to the App Store, ask Alexa to play Raider Nation Radio. And that works also great on the TuneIn app as we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment as they own the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlies, the Laughlin Entertainment Center, 64-plus taverns. Man, they fuel the monologue. PTs, happy hour 5 to 7, midnight to 2. The best happy hour in town. I think we got some positivity going on in the Raider Nation. Two days ago, Jimmy Garoppolo reports. We start our week off with that as I ended the show yesterday. Marcus Peters agrees to terms on a one-year deal to start at cornerback for the Raiders. That's the positive. I think we should jump all over that. The fact that Marcus Peters is arguably the best player on defense other than Max Crosby And he is a cornerback who will start and not have to compete to start, no matter what anybody tells you. They got him for a reason. He's going to play, and that's one less player that the Raiders need on the defensive side of the ball. And the Raiders are trying to rebuild that defense via the draft and getting younger players who can play at a very high level and then hold those contracts and develop those players. So that's what they're trying to do on the defensive side. But for the Raiders, as we've talked about, they need to make – Sure, their stars are happy. That would be Max Crosby. And that would be Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. Presumably not happy now because he didn't get a long-term contract extension. And we found out earlier today that Saquon Barkley signed a new deal, which is something Josh Jacobs could do. But it would only be a one-year deal. And this deal looks terrible to Saquon Barkley because it's the adjusted franchise tag. 10.1 fully guaranteed and up to $11 million with some incentives that are pretty lofty, but incentives that I think he could get. On top of that, he gets a $2 million signing bonus in fresh money, but this isn't a great contract. I don't think Josh Jacobs is running back to the table to get the same deal that Saquon Barkley got today. And I also don't think that Derrick Henry and the uh, Austin Eckler with the Chargers and the other good guy, Thomas, who's going to play, Jonathan Taylor, excuse me, at Indy, is thrilled that Saquon Barkley buckled and took this deal. This is not a great running back deal that Saquon Barkley took, but I I guess he wants to be with his team. He realized he's not going to get a lot more, but he could have agreed to a two-year deal a couple of weeks ago that would have gave him more guaranteed money. So I would assume here, and I don't know this to be accurate, I would assume that Saquon Barkley is going to fire his agent. He's got to because of the deal he turned down a couple of weeks ago, which gave him more money in guarantees. And now why is he settling? We know why he's settling, because there's just not a big, vibrant market as we speak now for running backs. And will that change by next year? 
I don't know. I think the cap going up next year like it does every year. And I think the running back cap will go up. So I think running backs will make a little bit more money. But the real big issue with the running back market, as we discussed for the last two weeks, is there's no longevity in it anymore. So you can make $22 million over two years or $25 million, whatever the deal is, but you're not going to get a three-year deal. You're not going to get a four-year deal. You're probably going to get a one-year deal or a two-year deal, and the best-case scenario would be a non-guaranteed three-year deal with some extra signing bonus, and you're really going to play on a two-year deal. That's what Josh Jacobs has got to look at. I don't get in front of Josh's money, but it's easy to compare Josh to Saquon Barkley because Saquon Barkley is at training camp for the Giants, and there were reports that Josh Jacobs was seen getting on an airplane to leave. So we'll see how that plays out. As we're talking today about running backs and fullbacks, last show, uh, before I release the list next hour. And we got two guests. Uh, we got one guest next hour, Al Bernstein, the great boxing analyst who's on the call for Crawford Spence. I can't believe I got to miss that fight. I've never missed fights. I go to all of them. But my nephew's getting married in New York, so I'll be out of here, and I'm going to have to miss this super fight for something bigger in my life. But, man, I love that fight. Al Bernstein, exactly one hour from now, will join us here. And I want to get into Marcus Peters because I want to have a welcome show. I think that's one of the things we do as good as anybody is we welcome new players to the Raider Nation. So I was assuming this was going to get done. Vic Tafer said this weeks ago he deserves a lot of credit. Vinny Bonsignor, all the uh, Raider insiders that saw this coming. It seems like Marcus Peters wanted to come here. He was born and raised in Oakland. McClyman's High School, it's a good fit for him. He's 30 years old. He'll be 31. He's still very fast. He's very experienced. Might he have lost half a step? Yeah, he might have lost half a step compared to when he was 22, 23 years old. But he, he does what we need to see here with this organization. Look, the organization has the right to not rebuild but reload. We've talked at length about the deconstruction of this roster that Dave Ziegler decided to be a part of. Dave Ziegler had an option to look at the Raiders and say, I don't want the job because I don't like the roster and you're not going to let me fix it. Or Dave looked at the roster and said, look, eventually I need to fix this. Will you give me the time to do it with Josh McDaniels? And that's what happened with Mark Davis. Mark Davis looked at it and said, of course, we're not going to give you a one-year deal. We're not going to give you 14 months to build the team and the liking of the Patriots or other teams that you want to be. And more and more Raider fans are coming around to that. The Raider fans who don't understand that, then they're those, those are those Raider fans you'll never convince. You'll never be able to tell them that the sky is blue and there's gravity, you know, and there's 365 days a year. You won't be able to convince those guys of anything. If you don't think that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have the right to try to bring in better players who are faster, smarter, and more explosive, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you as a Raider fan. You're not going to hear anything different from me. I, I dipped the show in reality. But the point is along the way, as they're reloading this roster, is that they got to show Raider fans that they want to win now. Do we, do we discuss that enough, or do I need to do a better job if you don't think I discuss that enough? If, if Dave Ziegler is going to pass on Marcus Peters at a cheaper price, you got to assume – uh, the detail's not released on this, but it's going to be a cheaper contract than what Marcus Peters wanted, played on in the past, and what he expects. Then you got to say to yourself, how bad do these guys want to win if they're not going to get us a better player? And they got you the better player. 
And they're trying to do that. And they, they went out and they got players since they've been here that they think are going to fit their system better than the old system. And there were some players in the other system, the older system that worked, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro. There were some players here, Colton Miller. They inherited Colton Miller. They didn't get rid of Colton Miller because he's one of the best left tackles in football. But everybody else who's still on this team is on this team for a reason. Either their salary is valuable enough where they don't want to get rid of the player, they think it's a, a salary that they can work with, or they believe that said player from the old regime has some upside and might be a pretty good player. Not a great player, but a player that they'd like to develop more in-house. Other than that, everybody's gone. These guys don't screw around. Okay, they haven't showed up yet with wins, but they have a better track record than any track record you've seen in the last 20 years of being a Raider fan. It's not even close. So they have the documentation that they come from a system and an organization where they were much better than the Raiders in any time in recent memory. Now they got to back it up. And how long do you want to give them? And we have levels of Raider fans who are patient. They're less than patient. They're angry. They're pissed off. But everybody combined wants to win now. I want to win now. This will be my 25th year with the team. Tomorrow I'll be at my 25th training camp. And there's been more down years than up years. Like when, when I got hired by the team in 98, every time that I went to a game, they won. They went to a Super Bowl, two AFC championship games. I thought that was going to be the standard. And then there's been a rough run. These gentlemen were brought in to fix it. And they think they got a pretty good plan. And the plan is adding players through the draft and younger players who they can mold. But then Marcus Peters is available and you go get him. Chandler Jones is available. They, they give him a lot. They get him in. They evaluate Waller. They see Waller during injury, post-injury. They evaluate him. He's gone. They like the kicker and the punter. They stay. They love Max. He gets a new contract. This isn't very hard to figure out. What fascinates me heading into the preseason is why are they keeping certain players or letting players be in this system like Faison or Divine Diablo or other guys? I want to see what happens with them. Trayvon Merrig is my favorite example, not their guy, and a guy who I think is pretty good. I think Trayvon Merrig's a really good athlete. He is. He's a good athlete. Hadn't, didn't play great last year, but they must know that he's a good athlete, and let's see if they can give him one more year. And they bring in Marcus Epps to play safety, and they bring in Marcus Peters to help out. So depending on who that other cornerback is opposite of Peters, and there's about three or four we can choose from, you're going to have Peters, Trayvon Merrig, Epps, that's pretty good in regards to that secondary. That's not bad. You're going to have Nate Hobbs in the slot. I mean, USA Today picked the Raiders to go 3-14 and 14 yesterday. Three wins and 14 losses. The players I just mentioned, including Marcus Peters, are really good. Max and you know, Tyree Wilson supposed to come in and be a Havoc guy. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, and USA Today put it out in print. The Raiders are going to go 3-14? and 14? Oh, my God. I thought the win total in Vegas was a little bit light at 6.5. Now you got a major newspaper publication going three wins. So as I got back to a tweet earlier at JT the Brick, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people at this point believe that it, this is a tough time to be a Raider fan because the national media, the national media thinks that the Raiders are going to have an awful year. The national media 
does not believe the Las Vegas Raiders will be competitive. Let me give you that one. They're not talking about seven, eight wins, which is competitive. Remember last year, the team lost five double-digit leads in the second half. That means they had five double-digit leads in the second half, which proved they were more than competitive. They lost games because of the quarterback. Yeah, that's true. Derek didn't play great in the second half of those games. They lost it because of the play caller and the quarterback weren't on the same page. They lost it because the defense was on the field too long. And lose those games because of Josh Jacobs. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't even here. Right, Devontae Adams played pretty good. The only time Devontae didn't have a big game is when they didn't throw him the damn ball. So with all of that combined, we are looking at a team now that is in a tough spot because a lot of experts don't think they're going to be good at all. They think they're going to be bad. So would, why would Marcus Peters come to a bad team? Why would Marcus Peters come to a team that USA Today said is going to go 3-14 and 14 and come in last? Why would Marcus Peters come to a team that all the national media thinks the Denver Broncos, who have lost six out of their last seven to the silver and black, are going to be better? I think Marcus Peters looked at this team. I think he thinks it's a legacy play for him. It's a one-year deal. If he plays well, he'll get a contract extension. He'll be a part of the chemistry of this team. I think he was brought in because he understands the Kansas City Chiefs and the rivalry because he played for Kansas City. Along with Baltimore, I think he'll bring a nasty edge to this potential dynasty team. And they're not a dynasty yet. When you win two, you're not a dynasty. you got to win three. So Peters is a good addition, and I think it was an important moment for Raider fans to understand that this team wants to win now. Now, does everybody think they can win the Super Bowl? Mark Davis every year says that to me. We're undefeated. Let's go win the Super Bowl. Is this team supposed to win the Super Bowl? No, they're not. But they're supposed to compete, and they just brought in a dog. A dog, along with Max Crosby. And I mean an alpha dog, a hardcore player. So if, if Marcus Peters can cover a little bit better than some of the other guys, then the next thing you know that I think is going to be interesting is Max will have maybe a half a second more to get a sack because he struggled. How many times did Max Crosby turn the corner with a clean hit on the quarterback and the quarterback let the ball go? And the Raiders weren't covering well, and there was a completion, and Max didn't get a sack. I'm hoping that'll change. Also, I love this move with Marcus Peters because it sends a message to Max Crosby and Devontae Adams that, look, we want to win, and we're bringing in a winner. We're bringing in a guy who hates to lose. Now, what's the downside with Marcus Peters? Uh, I was texting back and forth with the Baltimore Ravens insider who doesn't like him. Thinks he's a distraction, thinks he's loud, not good with the press, doesn't talk much, really chirpy, chirpy at times with fans and all that. Look, I don't know the guy. I've never met him. If he treats me good when I interview him, I'll I'll treat him great. I'm hoping for the best for him. I don't know. I don't know how he behaved with the media in Baltimore at all. I don't care. He showed up to sign his contract in an Oakland A's hat. That's all you should know. He's hardcore Oakland He wants to be a Raider. He grew up a Raider fan. Let's welcome him to the show at 702-365-9200. And as I tweeted last night, if they can get one more defensive player, I think the priority is to get a right tackle if available or a right guard or any type of guard if available, even though I like some of the guards here. But if they can get a linebacker the way they just got Marcus Peters, I'll throw Christmas in August. We'll do some promotion with Modelo. Well, I'll do Christmas in August if we can find a way find a way to get him here and get this going. 
Uh, get me one more linebacker. Get me one more player on defense so I don't have to worry about one more position, if that's the case. If I can have that and we have one more position that we're able to talk about in the coming weeks because Dave Ziegler was able to get a right tackle or a defensive player, I'll be really happy. And I'm happy about Marcus Peters because what else the hell we were going to do? What do you want to do, break in a rookie? You want to take a guy who's mostly considered on other teams as a backup, a two or a three, and have him as a starter? Marcus Peters is a Raider. Welcome him to the Raider Nation. Also, I've really, not struggled, but I finally put together what I think is the final list for the Raider Nation radio all-time team at running back. And I took the easy way out. I took three starters, and I took the rest honorable mention because they're just too many. I have too many running backs and too many fullbacks. I mean, the list is incredibly long, but we know who's going to be at the top of the list, Marcus Allen. We know on the fullback side that we have Pete Banaszak and Marv Hubbard, right? We know that Hubert Dixon was, in, uh, Dixon was an incredible player. And I go down the list of Chris Smith, Clem Daniels, Napoleon Kaufman, Bo Jackson, Charlie Garner. I mean, come on. The list is enormous. So I will come through in about an hour from now and tweet out the list that I have at running back first because I got three running backs and about seven honorable mentions, which is just a fun show we're doing. No, this isn't a rule. And then I'm going to go to the fullbacks where I have three starting fullbacks and I think five honorable mentions. Too hard to do this. Impossible to do it. Oh, my God, the Raiders had so many great running backs and fullbacks from the day this organization started that I'm so proud of the fact that we're talking about this on the radio every day. And Al Bernstein at the top of the hour, if you got a boxing call, get it to me today. The Spence Crawford fight's a big one. It's one of the biggest fights that we've ever seen in Vegas, man. It's going to be fun to talk about. Chris in West Oakland, start us off, Chris. You're up first. What's happening? Good, JJ. By the way, looking forward to Al Bernstein, one of the just one of the absolute greatest voices and and commentators in the history of boxing. Always a great interview. Um, let me hit start with Marcus Peters. Look, I'm thrilled the Raiders finally have a guy in the in the secondary that if he does one thing, we know he's going to go find the football. Thirty two career interceptions, JT. Yeah, I know he gambles some once in a while. He will get beat, but you know what? Everybody in the Raiders secondary gets beat. So give me a guy that gets beat once in a while, but at least I know it's going to change a game or two with an interception. Saw a couple of ugly stats last night on SportsCenter when they were talking about this signing. At 32 interceptions, JT, he now has 26 more than the rest of the Raider defensive backs combined. Take away Marcus Peters, and every Raider defensive back on the roster right now has a grand total of six interceptions. I'm not a big fan of the F signing. Again, played 20 games for the Eagles last year, didn't intercept a pass. And another ugly stat that hopefully Peters helps with, the Raiders are the only team in NFL history to intercept six or fewer passes in back-to-back seasons, and they've done it twice in the last five years. So he brings some desperate needed help and ball hawk skills in in the secondary. Let me segue over to, to Josh Jacobs and the running back position. Look, I want to see these guys get paid, JT. I want to see every player get paid. These guys lay their body on the line. But I'm tired of hearing everybody complain about how they deserve better. Look, let's be honest. The last nine or ten rushing champs over the last 11 years have one playoff victory between them. And Josh Jacobs, as good as he's been and solid, look, he's been solid. He was great last year. He's been solid. 
Three out of four years, JT, he's rushed for 1,000 yards. Guess the year they make the playoffs. The year he only rushed for 872 yards. Bell cow running backs that run for 1,500 yards do not translate to wins in the modern-day NFL. I hope, he, I hope he gets paid. I hope he shows up because the Raiders do need him. But unlike Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, I believe they could weather the loss of a running back a lot more than other key positions if he decides to hold out. Now let's move on to the, uh, to the all-time team. I'm not going to get a chance to call tomorrow, so my running backs. I went, obviously, the, the low-hanging fruit, Marcus Allen, one of the top running backs in NFL history. I went Bo Jackson, number two. Normally, I don't think he played long enough, but only an athlete as special as Bo Jackson can make the list. You look at Bo JT, only, running backs in the NFL, only one guy has more rushes of 89-plus yards in, in a single carry in the NFL. Bo's got four in two and a half years. The guy was phenomenal. He's the best running back I've ever seen. Any list of great running backs, Bo Jackson goes on it. My third is Napoleon Kaufman. I chose these three because of all the great running backs the Raiders have, they are by far the most explosive guys, the guys that could take it to the house on every single carry. I will give Josh Jacobs an honorable mention because he has been really good the last four years. Charlie Garner, Tyrone Wheatley, Clem Daniels, there's just so many. That's my list. My fullbacks, Hubbard, Van Egan first, Hubbard and Banizak. Again, Marv, all you got to know about, a lot of it goes to the offensive line. JT, all these guys had 1,000-yard rushing seasons. And let's be honest, the Raider offensive line was so dominant, they made slow white guys 1,000-yard rushers. That's how impressive that guy, those guys were. But Mark, Mark Van Egan, hands down, one of the best fullbacks of all time, doesn't get was a three-time 1,000-yard rusher, was right there as an anchor with Stabler, Branch, Casper. He doesn't get the credit, but he was a flat-out beast during the Super Bowl run and all those great Raider teams of the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, honorable, I mean, honorable mention, you've got Hewitt Dixon. You've got John Ritchie. Again, like you said, there's so many I could take up a whole segment, but that's pretty much my, my list, my synopsis. But, but again, as far as my running backs go, it's the most explosive guys. Oh, and Clarence Davis, obviously, see a hands catch. Probably could have, if not should have been, the MVP of Super Bowl XI, 137 yards. They gave it to Freddie Bolitnikoff. It was great. But Clarence Davis was a beast that day. May he rest in peace. Thank you, my friend. I will talk to you uh, later in the week. Thank you, Chris. Always a great phone call when you have Chris in West Oakland, one of the many who can start us off. Uh, I have Clem Daniels. Clem Daniels I have behind Marcus Allen as the second greatest running back in Raiders history, period. I think it's documented what he was able to do as a player, as an explosive all-star right there. Uh, the question becomes, do you have Josh Jacobs in your top three all-time ahead of Bo Jackson? I went through all of Bo's stats. They're nowhere near Josh Jacobs. Nowhere near Josh Jacobs for obvious reasons. Bo Jackson's injury limited his time in the league. Uh, some of the other names he mentioned. How about Kenny King and what Kenny King was able to do for this franchise? Unbelievable player, Napoleon Kaufman. Absolutely, Napoleon Kaufman in one of the tiers here. Uh, my topic is fullbacks because I talked to some of the old timers in the Gold Jackets and texting back and forth. And Van Egan, Hubbard, and Banasek seemed to be one, two, and three in no particular order. Marcel Reese was one of the greatest athletes to ever play. He was a four time Pro Bowler. Marcel Reese did a lot of things in the backfield, blocked well. Could do everything. Marcel Reese is definitely on my list. Somewhere there, John Ritchie. Didn't have a lot of stats that you'd look at in regards to carries 
in touchdowns, but he was a hole opener, along with Zach Crockett, who played at a very high level. And guys like Darren McFadden had better careers than you think. And Justin Fargus, really good careers. So when we get to the honorable mentions at the running back situation, no doubt about it, Charlie Smith. This is a list that could go on for quite some time. And I've been uh, enjoying talking to people about uh, some of the players here that should be making this list or not. But not everybody can be considered an all-time great. But many of these gentlemen should be on a list. And we should be talking about them because of the impact they had. Just like we did with the punters and the kickers and everyone else. We're just having a conversation here. And your opinion matters. want to hear from you at 702 365 9200. Uh, Justin in Summerlin, you're up next. Go ahead, Justin. What's happening? Josh, Justin is gone. Great. All right. When we come back, some Josh McDaniel sound as we get rolling here. He spoke today. I'll get a chance to see the coach tomorrow as we jump in. And we'll get to you at 702 365 9200. Last call with the running backs and the fullbacks. Some Josh McDaniel sound. We'll have Al Bernstein at the top of the hour to talk Crawford Spence, which is a great fight. And then we'll release our all-time running back fullback team. was the second year that I played and we were going to play Kansas City on Thanksgiving Day and all our running backs were hurt and I was the only guy left. Monday when I went to the Raider locker room and started working practicing for, for the, the game on Thursday, John said to me, he said, Banzak, are you ready? Can you play this week? You've got to play. And I said, well, I, I, I. and he said, Banzak, tell me if you can't play right. Tell me right now, because I'll make a trade and I'll get somebody into that play. And he threw his hat down like this, and he stomped on it, and he says, you're in the pros now. Well, guess what? After that moment, I was ready. That's Pete Banizak. Pete's an unbelievable guy. JT, back with you as we continue with the fullbacks and running backs, the Raiders' all-time team on Raider Nation Radio. Appreciate everybody's participation there. So a couple things about Pete. I like to share a few stories if I have them. I don't have for a lot of guys, but Pete uh, Banizak retired in Jacksonville, Florida, and he worked on the Jaguars broadcast, and I got a chance to get to know Pete because he came back with the Raiders. So my in-laws live in St. Augustine, Florida, where Pete lived, and Pete lived on the golf course, King and Bear, and he said, hey, come on out, and whenever you come out, let me know, and we'll play some golf. So for about four or five years, I would go to St. Augustine with my wife and kids, and my sons were really young, and I played golf with Pete. And at the end of the round, we'd go have a couple of beers at the clubhouse. I just got to know him really well. And he's still with us. And he comes back every year when he can. And now he's moved to Georgia and someone we like to keep in touch with because of what he meant to this organization. His best friend is Fred Bolitnikov. Fred Bolitnikov's best friend is Pete Banizek. Banizek's nickname is The Rooster. Whenever I talk to Freddie B., which I talk to him every day, he's always talking about The Rooster. It's amazing when you can have friends your whole life you played football with. Most of us don't know what that's like. We have friends that we worked with, friends we grew up with, but not friends that we've won Super Bowls with or played in the 60s and 70s and go back to college 
with. And Pete Banaszak is one of those special, special players. And we'll get to a couple calls coming up on this. Josh McDaniel spoke today. And really for the first time, because training cramp practice opens tomorrow. Let me repeat this again. When he speaks to the media, he speaks to the media two ways. One in front of the media, mostly the beat writers and the people who cover the beat for the Raiders. And when I speak to him and interview him every week, it's not combative because it's the in-house television show. So in the in-house television show, we ask, why'd you lose? Why'd you win? Why'd you call this play? What could have been better? What'd you like about the game? What you didn't like? It's not a shout fest because it's in-house and it's the Raiders. It's part of their team broadcast that I'm a part of. When he sits in front of the media here today, all questions are open. So if some people want to talk about the offseason, we'll get to all these questions coming up here. They can ask him the toughest questions he wants. He can answer them in any liking that he wants to do. But I think Josh McDaniels knows that the media is sensing that this team's got to get better this year. And he spoke to the media earlier today, first welcoming everyone in to the start of this season. Here's how he opened up the press conference. Excited, um, you know, just to see the guys here and um, just finished our medical meeting, which is a mandatory part of camp every year. And um, we'll get ready to, you know, do our, our last bit of the conditioning run with the guys just reported. But um, excited to see everybody. Uh, obviously a very exciting time here. Uh, get get ready to go for year two and, and a lot of work between now and the season, but um, I know everybody's eager and, and anxious to get out there. Okay, so that's the typical, hey, we're happy to be back, which is supposed to be good. We're ready to get after it. Training camp is underway in front of the media there. Then he talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think was pretty much the premise of this conversation today, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo reported for his physical, he passed it, and he'll be a full clear. No, I mean, no, there aren't. Um, we'll do what we always do with players that are coming off of, of any type of rehabilitation is we'll just, you know, we'll do it the right way. Um, you know, so it might not be, you know, 100% of the repetitions, you know, first day and, you know, et cetera, but we would never do that with anybody. So um, there's a number of players, obviously, that had things in the spring and um, making sure that we're just smart about how we reintegrate them to the, you know, the totality of practice and um, training camps for everybody to get a lot of repetitions anyway. Uh, no, no player at any position would get, you know, that kind of a majority of the reps anyhow. So this is where we have to <clears throat> put in the majority of our time so that we can build, you know, fundamentals across the board, build the depth of our football team. So. Um, it shouldn't affect us that much, um, you know, but he'll excited for him to be out there. I know he's excited to be out there with his teammates too. I think what coach said, it makes a lot of sense. He doesn't need every rep. He doesn't need every rep in training camp. He doesn't. Okay. There's guys who are going to get reps. Guys are going to play in the preseason games where Garoppolo won't play, but he's there. He's in the building. This is not a bad scenario now. Now he's passed the physical, and he'll be there for everything, for class study, for film study, to be out on the field, and I could care less if he gets every rep. Give some other guys the opportunity to get a rep. Garoppolo is the leader of this team on the offensive side. Coach McDaniels talked about the locker room, the type of leader he is, the type of leader he's been in the past. I think, you know, you think you have to care about the, the person, you know, and I think Jimmy gives a lot of time and, and effort into um, – you know, conversations non-football related. 
Um, you know, and, you know, I think that's, that would be the same if it was you and I, or, or any other two people, um, trying to get to know one another. And it's how much you put into it, um, how much you care about, you know, where they came from, you know, what their family situation is like, uh, where they're at in their life or their career. Um, you know, I think that's important for, for anybody that's trying to create relationships and especially at the position of quarterback in the NFL, where, you know, you want to be a leader on your football team. Uh, you have to be an elite communicator on the field. Um, and so, you know, to be able to try to do that and establish those kind of relationships is important. So um, I'll let the players speak for that, you know, in terms of, of how they feel and, and what he has or hasn't done or anything like that. But um, I feel comfortable with who he is and, and the way he goes about that. Yeah, I never heard anybody ever question Jimmy Garoppolo in the locker room as a leader. Everyone said it in New England. Literally, everyone said it from Debo Samuel to George Kittle to Nick Bosa. Go around the list. They love Jimmy. They love Jimmy Garoppolo as a leader. He's not a guy who's going to be front and center with the media. He's the ultimate teammate for his teammates in the locker room in the organization. I saw a tiny bit of, bit of it at the hockey game where he was with 60 players and took total control of it. Big smile talking to everybody. That's a tiny, tiny example that I just saw personally. But everybody says great things about Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's Coach McDaniels from earlier today on Marcus Peters, the latest addition of the team who signed his contract and the coach was able to talk about him. Yeah, um, you know, it was it's an exciting opportunity, you know, and Marcus has been a very decorated player for his, you know, his the entirety of his career uh, for the teams that he's played for. And um, he's always been a guy that. You know, I, I've coached against him a number of times, and you know, when you're playing against him, you always know where he's at because there's a chance you might not want to throw at him. You know, and again, players earn that opportunity and earn that earn that status, not not coaches or anybody else. And um, you know, he's just he's had a he's a very intelligent football player. Uh, he had multiple opportunities to sit down and talk with him. Um, very bright, understands the game, uh, really a mature, uh, intelligent guy in terms of defensive structure, coverages, reading route patterns, etc. cetera. Um, very impressed with that. Um, and he wants to be a Raider, you know, and, and so it was exciting for us to be able to uh, make that happen and excited to put him in with our group. And I know he's eager to get to work. I think that's really sincere. Everybody's happy about Marcus Peters because those who have been in the league and played against him know how good of a player he is. We'll get a chance to see pretty quickly into the season as he's going to go up against Russell Wilson and Josh Allen in the first two weeks on the road how important he is because that experience could be the difference in knocking down a Russell Wilson pass, picking off a ball against Josh Allen. Those first two games are well enough the reason to go out and get him and one more bite. This is on Josh Jacobs. Obviously, Josh Jacobs, a massive conversation piece around the organization. Josh McDaniels earlier today gets to speak about the running back. Well, obviously, I can't speak for anything that happened in the meeting. Um, I obviously, I wasn't privy to any of that. Um, but, look, I respect every player's right to try to do what's best for them. Um, that's why, you know, the league is what it is in terms of value and uh, contracts and you know, those things are, are personal. Um, we all have to go through them. I understand it. I've said it, you know, multiple times this spring. Um, I respect um, him uh, tremendously. Um, have a great deal of respect for him as a player, as a person, what he did for our team last year. And, and um, you know, I look forward to seeing him, you know, when he, whenever he, you know, whenever he is here. 
Um, and I respect that process too. You know, it's his decision to make and, um, you know, I know they all have to do what they think is best for them, you know, and, and that's, uh, like I said, we all have to do those things in our lives. And, um, I have a great deal of respect for him. I think that's sincere too. Every time I've talked to him about Josh Jacobs, he mentions JJ and look, I don't know what the overall plan is financially with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I think they value a great running back and this contract that didn't come to terms will play on the franchise tag is a big story going forward because he only makes the Raiders better. And Josh Jacobs needs to be here, and hopefully he shows up sooner than later. That opens up the phone for you. We'll have more sound of the head coach throughout the day on the show. 702-365-9200. Back to the running backs and fullbacks. We get Raiders 66, who did running backs yesterday, I believe. Now we can go to fullbacks. Go ahead. Hello? Go ahead, sir. Oh, uh, Raider 66, didn't he, uh, JT, I was uh, kind of in limbo on your phone. Okay, go ahead. You're up. Go fullbacks. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, full, fullbacks, I, I, I gave them briefly to you yesterday. Uh, Mark Van Egan, obviously, Marv Hubbard. And I had Hewitt Dixon in there, but I changed my mind. We're going with, uh, with our buddy Pete Banizak. A lot of people don't know, in 1975, he holds and still holds the record for rushing touchdowns by the Raiders in a season with 16. You know, Pete's probably close to 80 right now, and I think if he was on the team right now, he would fix our uh, red zone offense. That guy inside the five, you couldn't stop him. It was absolutely amazing. And the, the running backs, uh, real quickly, because I know you got a lot of people, um, it's ironic that we're talking about these great Raider running backs and the devaluation of the position nowadays. And I think part of that is because of the specialization that's going on. I mean, you got a third down back. you got a short yardage back. you got a blocking back. Raider backs were required to do everything. They had to block, they had to receive, they had to run, and they had to run between the tackles. And my third guy on the list is Josh Jacobs. He does all that. He could have played back in the 60s and 70s. This guy is number five on the all-time list in only four seasons. He is uh, just, you know, one of those guys that just does the things you, you need to do. Um, he's an NFL rushing leader, and uh, he, can, he can catch the ball pretty well, too. Number two, I've got uh, our guy che, uh, Clem uh, Daniels. He played uh, back when uh, Al first came over, and Al, uh, the genius of Al Davis on this, he won the rushing title, the AFL rushing title, in 1963. But, JT, get this. He also caught 30 passes for 685 yards. Yes, that's not a misprint. That is 22.8 yards per catch. The genius of Al Davis, most people were not using backs downfield. It was those little swing passes out of the backfield or screen passes. Al Davis caught the AFL by storm and blew him away, and that's why they went from one win in 62 to 10 wins in 1963, Al Davis' first year. So Clem Daniels. And then the guy at the top of everything, Marcus Allen, he is the most decorated Raider of all time. He won the Heisman Trophy in 81, came to the uh, NFL in 82. That was a strike year. They only played nine games. All he did was place fourth in rushing, first in uh, scrimmage yards, and first in touchdowns. Did they give him the MVP? No, they did not. They gave it to a kicker from Washington. He would have been the only player ever to win the Heisman and the NFL MVP in back-to-back seasons, and he got robbed. Uh, he also is one of those unselfish running backs that the Raiders just had forever. That's why you're... Your decision is so tough, JT. They went from halfback, fullback, fullback, halfback. We had a wide receiver go to fullback in Marcel Reese. We had a fullback go to all-pro tight end in, in Christensen. But Mark uh, Marcus, when they drafted Bo Jackson, he volunteered 
to become the blocking back so that they could have the best 11 players on the field at one time. You're also talking about Kenny King. He came over in a trade for Jack, with uh, Jack Tatum, got sent to Houston. Kenny King, the, the star of Super Bowl 15, when they drafted Marcus, he volunteered to be the blocker so that they could have the best players out there. He blocked for Marcus in 1983 in the Super Bowl, getting the Super Bowl MVP, and he blocked for Marcus in 1985 when Marcus won the NFL rushing title. There is just so many running backs on this list. Your decision is impossible. But it's because they're all unselfish, and that was the Raider way. we got to get back to that. That was the Raider way. Thanks for your time, JT. Excellent phone call as always. Raider 66 and a couple other callers. Chris started us off today. Fantastic with the summertime promotion. Raiders all-time team running back and fullback. And, yes, uh, that's one of the things that I learned during this process here is a lot of guys started off as fullbacks and went to running backs, and a lot of fullbacks were treated like running backs once they got inside the red zone. They were able to be fullbacks who had the ability to run and score like Pete Banaszak, Marv Hubbard. Marv Hubbard was one of the greatest fullbacks ever, let alone one of the greatest fullbacks in the history of the Raiders. So he'll be on that list too as we're going to tweet out that list coming up here in a little bit. Really looking forward to Al Bernstein. He's going to join us at the top of the hour. He's also a singer. He's going to do a show, an upcoming show at the Tuscany where he performs. He's fantastic. Al is a really good guy. He's been on the call for some of the greatest fights of all time. Al Bernstein on, I think, one of the best fights. I cannot believe I'm missing it, but my nephew listens to the show, and my nephew's wedding's more important, and I'm bringing my sons and my wife, and I can't wait for that. So if you're going to the fight this weekend, you're going to one of the great fights that we've seen on paper ever. I just watched the Oscar De La Hoya press conference, uh, uh, the documentary last night, Golden Boy. I don't want to talk about his alcohol, his cocaine, his drugs, the amount of kids he had, the amount of sex out of wedlock, the way he screwed over his wives, what he did to his wives publicly. Oscar De La Hoya was one of the greatest champions ever in, in, in multiple decades. And I saw Oscar De La Hoya Trinidad ringside. I was there for that fight. I'm more excited. And that was a mega super fight. I'm more excited for Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. And I think whoever wins this fight, I want to be the first to say it on record, the rematch should be at Allegiant Stadium. If this fight lives up to the hype, Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, the rematch should be at Allegiant Stadium in front of, I don't care, 55,000, 60,000, whatever it takes. Got to start moving some of these big boxing matches to the home of the Raiders and get boxing to where it should be where I think it's going to be. Al Bernstein at the top of the hour. When we come back, we inch closer to the greatest fullbacks and running backs of all time. And more conversation from Josh McDaniels earlier today as I'll get a chance to see him tomorrow as I'll be at practice tomorrow and we'll host one more show tomorrow before Harry Ruiz jumps in for me the remainder of the week. This is Raider Nation Radio. Remember Willie Lanier, Hall of Fame middle linebacker, looked like a Coke machine with a head on it, you know. I got that short yardage play called off the left side, and I got there barking numbers, and I'm going to give the ball to Marv Hubbard, and Marv stands up out of his stance and walks right up over my shoulder. And a true story, he looked right at Willie Lanier. I said, hey, you big son of a bitch, we're going right there. 
<laughs> it's hard enough to gain 10 on three or four days. Pullback telling the middle linebacker where you're going. Hey, you big SOB, we're going right there. And he had cold medicine working on it. And so I just leave the play on. I get up there, spin around, give him the ball, and Willie Lanier meets him right in the hole. Bang! It just echoes down through Airhead Stadium, and Mark gets up off the bottom of the pile. And he's looking out of the ear hole, and he's got a little blood running out of the corner of his nose, and he staggers by me, and he said, I need to keep my damn mouth shut. <laughs> Kenny the Snake Stabler on Marv Hubbard. Where do you have him on the all-time team for fullbacks? JT, back with you as we continue on. Uh, thanks to all of our friends at the great Resorts World. More and more people are now understanding the beauty of Resorts World from the restaurants, of the hotels, three separate choices there, the gaming, doghouse, saloon, home of sports, and their beautiful theater with some of the best residencies all there. Scott Sabella's vision of sports the way it should be, Resorts World, you know where it is. Let's get rolling also with Josh McDaniels. He met the media today. I'm sure he's going to meet him tomorrow. Practice tomorrow with the team. The veterans, the rookies who have been here will get a chance for a little bit of time to be out on the field with the media, get a look at the team before the coach speaks again about the beginning of training camp here. And I think the team's better. Most Raider fans, this is the disturbing part of why Raider fans are really pissed off. Raider fans are upset because I think most Raider fans think the team's better. Now, I could be out of touch. I've been called worse. Now, how would we not be better? Season ticket holder speaking here because Derek Carr left. Okay, a lot of Derek Carr fans. Uh, Derek Carr had nine years. He didn't win a playoff game, but he should have won some. Very good quarterback. So let's agree to disagree on Garoppolo Carr. No Darren Waller. A lot of fans like Darren Waller. He's no longer here. Other than that, what's your problem? If you look at the team player by player, who thinks the Raider team that had 10 wins and that roster under Rich Passaccia that he took over for John Gruden, who thinks that team was better than this team when it comes to player for player? That's really a debate we're going to dive into in the preseason here. I think the team's got some better players now, some risky players. Tucker, the slot receiver, who comes in from Cincinnati, risky player. He could either be a superstar in this league or he's going to be undersized, fast guy who doesn't get the ball a lot. Marcus Peters, better than any cornerback we've seen in this building in quite some time. Tyree Wilson is the interesting one because the Raiders miss completely on a down edge rusher out of Clemson. Cleland Farrell was not a bust. I have too much respect to say he was a bust. He was a okay player. He was not a fourth pick overall. Tyree Wilson was taken to number seven to be a disruptor. Here's Josh McDaniels earlier today talking about his timeline. Um, no timeline, um, but it's, it's getting, it's get, you know, he's headed in the right direction. No question about it. Um, excited about that. Um, and this is, again, just the process that we expected based on what was, you know, uh, what was happening at the time we drafted him. So, um, you know, we knew that there was going to be a rehabilitation process and then there's going to be a reacclimation phase here. So um, he's doing a great job of everything that uh, he's doing right now. And, you know, you know, once he's ready to roll, then we'll, you know, re-enter him into practice the right way and then, you know, get him ready to go for the regular season. I think that's an important soundbite for a number of reasons. Number one, they knew they were drafting a player that was injured and were completely prepared with their due diligence with the medicals. They knew that they had this guy, they were going to take him. They could have traded out of that pick, right? They could have traded up. 
depending. They had the player that they wanted there at number seven. They knew the timeline, and Josh McDaniels basically just said it's getting closer. Another young player with a fast motor that we don't have to see play a lot. He could come in halfway through training camp, if he does, come into the preseason with the speed and his length and his wingspan. You're just going to tell him to get to the quarterback. Obviously, he's going to have to have some schemes with the running game, which he was pretty good at at college. you got to hope he's got a nose for the football in the running game and seals the edge there. But the most important thing is, will he have the burst? Coming off the foot injury, will he have the burst to come around the edge on the opposite side of Max Crosby? Everybody I talk to says yes. So it's a timeline question that needed to be asked today. Jimmy Garoppolo is on time. He's ready to go, a full clear. And now we have that situation as we wait for Tyree Wilson and Young, the interior defender. We'll have some sound coming up for that on the other side. When we come back, Al Bernstein at the top of the hour, about five minutes after, on boxing. The sport of boxing, which I love. The fight coming up this weekend.